Let's take our Bibles and let's read together three passages. The first from the Gospel of Luke. Luke 1, we read from verse 5 to verse 20. Luke 1 from verse 5. We read this in connection with Lord's Day 45 of our Catechism. Lord's Day 45 is about praying, prayer in general. Luke 1 verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord. There was, in the days of Herod the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. We go to the letter of James. James. We read James 5. From verse 7. James 5 verse 7. Therefore be patient brethren until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth. Waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, 
For the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. Indeed, we count them blessed to endure. You have heard of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord, that the Lord is very compassionate, very compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brethren, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Finally, we go to Revelation 8. Revelation 8, we read from verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, with the prayers of the saints, ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it on the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood. And they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, 
and all green grass was burned up. So far our reading of God's holy word. May the Lord bless it unto our hearts. This afternoon I preach to you the word of God as we have it summarized in Lord's Day 45 of our catechism. Lord's Day 45, page 559 in our book of praise. Lord's Day 45, under the heading of prayer. Why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must, from the heart, call upon the one true God only, who has revealed himself in his word, for all that he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery, so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, We must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as he has promised us in his word. What has God commanded us to ask of him? All the things we need for body and soul as included in the prayer which Christ our Lord himself taught us. What is the Lord's prayer? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So far our reading from the Confession of the Church. We now listen to the preaching of the Gospel and afterwards we sing in response Psalm 56, Psalm 56 verse 3 and verse 4. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, Many Christians say that they have got a problem with praying. They really believe that they have got a problem with praying. And maybe, brothers and sisters, maybe you also believe that you have got a problem with praying. Maybe you reason, God has already decided what must happen. And that won't change when I pray. So... It makes no sense to pray. And then you say that you have got a problem with praying. But beloved congregation, I have got the same problem. Not with praying, but with healthy eating. Because I try to eat healthy, 
But it makes no difference what I eat because God has already decided when I should be sick or healthy. God has already decided how long I should live. So whether I eat healthy, yes or no, makes no difference. And I also know grade 12 students who study hard, hoping for a good ATAR score. But they tell me it makes no difference how hard I study because God has already decided what my ATAR ranking should be. So whether I study hard or not at all, whether I pray or not, makes no difference. Some of us might say that we have got a problem with praying. Because whether or not we pray makes no difference. Because God has already decided everything. But we have the same problem when we try to live healthy. Or when we do or do not study for exams. Always it makes no difference what we do. Because it comes back to the providence of God. God is in control. And whatever God has decreed must happen. Regardless of what we want. Regardless of what we do. Regardless of what or how often we pray. But, beloved congregation, this is the gospel that we will hear this afternoon. This is the gospel. The gospel is that when God carries out his plan, God always uses us. When God carries out his plan, God always uses our decisions, our choices, our actions, our prayers. God uses our hard work, our study, our eating and our drinking. And God also uses our prayers to make things happen. This is the theme for the preaching this afternoon. We honour God by our prayers when we believe that our prayers truly make things happen. And then we consider two points. Our prayers make things happen in our hearts and in our lives. And secondly, our prayers make things happen in the church and in the world. We honour God by our prayers when we believe that our prayers truly make things happen. We see first that our prayers make things happen in our hearts and in our lives. Now when we study praying, brothers and sisters... One of the most popular chapters in the Bible is James 5. In this chapter, James addresses people who are sick. And James says that if they pray, they can be healed. James also suggests that they should call the elders of the church. And the elders might pour oil over their heads. And then they will be healed. We read this and we scratch our heads. We wonder why in Mandajong, in 2020, we don't do this. 
People who have back problems. People who have cancer. We might pray for God to grant healing. But we certainly don't expect that it's going to work. But we don't anoint each other with oil. And often God does not give us healing. So what do we do with this chapter? Now, the people to whom James wrote this letter were not a happy bunch of people. Instead, they suffered and they struggled. And that created tension. And that's why in verse 8, James says, be patient. Be patient. And in verse 9, he says, don't grumble against each other. James is trying to encourage and build up. And so he uses examples from the Old Testament. Remember Job, says James. Remember how Job suffered. Remember how he stood firm in his faith. And finally, God rewarded him. In the same way, says James, if you stand firm in your faith, God will also bless you. And then James also says that when we are sick, we ought to get the elders to pray over us so that we get better. In verse 13, James talks about suffering. And we should note, when James talks about suffering, then James uses a word which Paul also uses in 2 Timothy 2. Paul is talking about trouble that he experiences for the sake of the gospel. Also in 2 Timothy 1 verse 8, Paul urges Timothy to join him in suffering for the sake of the gospel. And so, the suffering that James is talking about here in chapter 5 of his letter, this suffering is not really where you've got a cold, where you're short of money, where you've got tight deadlines at work. That's not the kind of suffering, the kind of trouble that James is talking about. Instead, James says, if you are in trouble because of your faith, if they are making your life difficult because you believe in Jesus Christ, then pray. This is what James is talking about. Because James continues in verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Is anyone sick? In 1 Corinthians 2, Paul uses the same word when he explains how he came to Corinth in weakness and fear with much trembling. And in 1 Peter 3 verse 7, Peter writes that men should treat their wives with respect because women are the weaker partners. Weaker partners? What's that got to do with sickness? And so we understand. When James asks, is anyone among you sick? James does not mean, does someone have cancer or coronavirus? And James certainly does not mean, 
Is someone being tormented by an evil spirit? Not at all. Instead, James is talking about the pressure that comes from being a Christian in a hostile world. Where sometimes it is all just too much. And where we can feel that we cannot take it anymore. If you feel that way, James continues, then call the elders and let them pray over you. Let them anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. So let this be clear in the first place, brothers and sisters. James is not writing about regular physical sickness. James is not speaking about faith healing. Instead, James is talking about a spiritual condition where we might feel discouraged. Where we might feel that our faith life is slipping and we just don't know what to do anymore. In these circumstances, says James, call the elders, let them pray over you and let them anoint you in the name of the Lord. And with respect to that anointing, in the Old Testament, prophets and priests and kings were anointed with oil. Because oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. Oil symbolizes the power of God in your life. And so, if the elders anoint you with oil, that is not a magic potion and it does not give physical healing. Instead, it is a sign. It is a sign to confirm God's promise that he is with us. And he will work in our hearts and in our lives. And he will strengthen our faith. He will bring us to eternal life. And then, concludes James, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. That means... The brother or sister who was discouraged. The congregation member who had come to the point where he felt that he could not go on anymore. The Holy Spirit will renew his faith and give him hope. Even if he has sinned, says James. Even if the temptations of the world were too strong for him so that he fell into serious sin. Perhaps he gave up on reading his Bible. Perhaps he denied the faith to keep out of trouble. Perhaps he turned to alcohol or drugs. Let that be so, says James. Let that be so. If he confesses his sins and when the elders pray over him, then he will be able to put it behind him and go on in faith. And now we begin to understand what James is saying in this chapter, brothers and sisters. And we understand that James is saying something that is very important for us. Because we all have times in our lives when we feel that we are just ticking the boxes, going through the motions. We all have times when our hearts are not really in it. And then... We feel that we are being unfaithful. We say the right thing, but we feel hypocritical. Then 
the gospel, brothers and sisters. James says, even if you have fallen into sins, even if you have messed up seriously in your life, just stop and put that behind you. Just pray and confess your sins and there is forgiveness. God knows, brothers and sisters, God knows that the world offers too many temptations for us to handle. God knows how weak we are and how easily we fall into sin. And God understands even more that we get discouraged so that it is difficult for us to find our way back. Difficult to start reading our Bibles again. Difficult to start praying again when we have lost all our confidence. Pray, says James. But please, please don't, need, please don't feel that you need to pray on your own. Instead, ask others to pray with you and for you. Together with your elders, you can go to God's throne of grace. There you may confess your sins. And then we may expect our prayers to be answered. So what James is saying in this chapter, brothers and sisters, is exactly what we confess in Lord's Day 45 of our catechism. When we pray, the catechism does not say that God will give us everything we ask for. The catechism does not say that God will give us good health or more money or a girlfriend or something else that we might really, really want. But God will certainly give us two things. First, his grace. That is the grace of forgiveness. And secondly, he will give us the Holy Spirit who works faith. That is what James said as well. Not pray when you are sick and then God will make you feel better. Not call the elders when things go wrong in your life and they will change everything with a bit of oil. Instead, when you feel discouraged... When you feel that your faith is being challenged and you are overwhelmed, then pray and ask the elders to pray with you and for you. Then the Lord will raise you up. He will give you strength even after we have sinned. It's not too late because God is always prepared to forgive. So let us pray often, brothers and sisters. And when we feel weak, let us not hesitate to ask others to support us in prayer. Remembering, of course, that we cannot expect prayer to change our circumstances. But we can expect prayer to change our hearts, to give us faith and spiritual energy, and so to give us eternal life. That is the power of your prayer and my prayer. That is the power of prayer in your life, in my life. Now, in our second point, we will see that prayer does not affect just our own lives. 
Instead, our prayers also make things happen in the church and in the world. When we pray to the Lord in our living rooms or our bedrooms, what we pray for today, tomorrow, depends on our circumstances at that point in time. This past week, some of us have been praying for elderly parents or grandparents, for sick relatives, or for friends who have particular struggles, also for Fairhaven. Tomorrow, the details of our lives will be different. So tomorrow, our prayers will also be different. There is a saying that every family, every household has its own cross to bear. And it is good that we all ask the Lord for strength to bear our own particular cross. That's one thing. But there is also, sorry, there are also standard things that everyone should pray for. Even Every day. You ask, what are some of those standard things? Well, we read in Luke 1 about Zechariah the priest in the temple, in the holy place, praying. While other people were outside the holy place, also praying. Then too, of course, everyone prayed their own prayer. But they were all God's people. They were all in the temple of the Lord. And here especially, they always prayed for God to fulfill his promise. For God to send the Messiah into the world. And they also prayed that through the Messiah, God might save Israel from all their sins and misery. Zechariah prayed for the Messiah in the temple, in the holy place. The people standing outside also prayed for the Messiah. While Zechariah's wife Elizabeth, in her home, in the hill country of Judea, she prayed for the Messiah to come as well, all over the promised land. Every day, thousands of Israelites prayed for the Messiah. And all those prayers made their way up to heaven. And it's only one small part of the picture. Because 700 years before Zechariah was praying in the temple, King Hezekiah was also praying for the Messiah. And before that, David and Solomon, Samuel, Abraham, Noah, even Adam and Eve over the course of thousands of years, they all prayed for the Messiah. And all those prayers went up to heaven. They all came before the throne of God. And they stayed up there. All those prayers went up to heaven. And they waited there before the throne of God to be heard. Among 
all those people of the Old Testament who prayed for the Messiah. When they prayed, some of them probably wondered as well if praying was not a waste of time. Some of them probably understood as well that God has already decided everything beforehand. And so praying makes no difference. But still they prayed. They trusted that somehow God would hear their prayers. They were convinced that somehow their prayers would make a difference. And when the angel comes to Zechariah, when the angel tells Zechariah that the Messiah will soon be born, the angel does not say that God always had a plan and God had a look in his diary and now the time has come for the Messiah to come into the world according to God's diary. Not at all. Instead, the angel says, Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Zechariah, God has heard your prayer. And God has heard all the prayers of all those other Israelites. God has heard all those prayers of all those people through the ages. God has heard them all praying for the Messiah. And now God is answering all those prayers. All those prayers have moved God so that God will now act and will now proceed to the next stage of his salvation work. Oh, please, brothers and sisters, please do not think that God first had other plans and that these prayers have now forced God to change his mind. Not at all. Instead, all those prayers were included in God's plan. God said, before the Messiah comes, this must happen first. And that must happen as well. And I must also receive all these prayers from all those people. And then, after that, when all of that has been fulfilled, then I will send the Messiah in response to all those prayers. Israel's prayers were a necessary part of God's plan. And this is not just my theory, brothers and sisters. Instead, God reveals this to us in a most wonderful way in Revelation 8. In that chapter, the Lord is in heaven and he is about to return on the clouds of heaven for judgment day. The Lord's there. Judgment day is going to happen. The Lord's waiting. But first, before the Lord comes back, first, seven seals must be opened. And then seven angels must blow the trumpets. And then, after the seals have been opened, after the angels have blown the trumpets, then, after that, the Lord will come back. And now, it becomes exciting because in Revelation 8 verse 1 when the Son of God opens the seal nothing happens instead there is silence 
seven angels are standing there with their seven trumpets. They are standing there ready to blow their trumpets, ready to bring on the final plagues, the judgments that must all happen before the Son of God returns. But the angels don't blow their trumpets. Instead, the angels wait. They wait for half an hour. What are they waiting for? What is the hold up? John explains that to us. He says, There is another angel standing beside the altar. That other angel, he has to take fire from the altar. He has to fill a censer or a flask with fire from that altar. And then he has to take that censer or flask filled with fire. And he has to hurl that down on the earth. And only then, only after the angel has filled his censer with fire. And hurled that censer filled with fire on the earth. Then the seven angels can blow their trumpets. Then judgment can begin. Then the Lord can come back to judge the world. So, why does it take the angel half an hour to fill the censer? What is the holdup? Brothers and sisters, the angel is waiting for the prayers of the saints on earth. The angel is waiting for your prayers and for my prayers to go up to heaven, to appear there on that altar, so that the angel can take these prayers of the altar and mix them with the incense and put them in a flask and throw the flask down on the earth. Truly, brothers and sisters, heaven is waiting for the church on earth to pray. The return of Jesus Christ is delayed. Delayed. Until enough prayers have come up from the church to that altar in heaven. See? God cannot. God will not let the end come until enough prayers have gone up to his heavenly throne. And then, when the number of prayers has been filled, then the angels will blow their trumpets. Then there will be fire. There will be earthquakes. Then God's judgment will strike the earth. And then, the Lord Jesus Christ will return. This is why it is important that we pray. This is why it is important that we pray, Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Because if we don't pray for Christ's return, then Christ will not return. No, of course it is not as if God relies on our prayers. Of course it is not as if God has one plan and now our prayers must change God's plan. Not at all. Instead, 
God has included your prayers. Your prayers for the return of Christ. God has included those prayers in his plan. God wants to receive our prayers. God wants to be moved by our prayers. And then God wants to respond to our prayers. When Jesus Christ returns on the clouds of heaven. It is our prayers that will make it happen. So does praying work? Does praying make things happen? You bet it does. Obviously. We can see it. When Jesus Christ came to earth the first time, he came in answer to prayer. Does prayer have power? You bet it does. Over thousands of years, many, many thousands of Israelites have prayed for the Messiah to come. The Messiah came in answer to those prayers. So if we are waiting for the Lord Jesus Christ to return, if we are expecting that to happen automatically, we are sadly wrong. Instead, God wants us to pray often and urgently, to pray for Jesus to return. Because when we pray, we move God. When we pray, he hears our prayers. And answers our prayers. And he comes to save us. In answer to our prayers. More than anything else, brothers and sisters. God wants to hear the prayers of the church. And when our prayers are sufficient. To fill the censer of Revelation 8. Then the Messiah will come down from heaven to save his people. For the second time. When James writes in chapter 5 about the power of prayer. James sees a congregation of struggling Christians. And James says. Do not give up. Instead stand firm in your faith. And when that is difficult. There are possibilities. Let other people pray with you and for you. People like the elders. And if your life of faith has been a struggle. If you have fallen along the way. Do not let those sins remain a burden for you. Instead repent. Put them behind you. Then you will receive the Holy Spirit. And he will give you power and energy to go on in faith. That's a promise. Pray, and God will give you power and energy to go on in faith on a personal level. But in our second point, we saw that God also uses our prayers in his government of the universe. In the Old Testament, from Genesis to Malachi, the church was praying for the Messiah. And all those prayers did make a difference. The Messiah came in answer to those prayers. And in the New Testament, we have many things to pray for. But most of all, as God's people, most of all, we must pray for the return of Jesus Christ. 
together with Peter and Paul, together with Luther and Calvin, and all of God's children in all the countries of the world, we must pray, Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. And as God receives these prayers, as God counts these prayers, one day God will say, Enough. And then God will answer our prayers. Then Jesus Christ will come down from heaven. He will wipe every tear from our eyes and he will take us to himself. And then we will live with him forever. Amen.